You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lopes, and with me today is Logan Sneed, founder of FusionLean.com, founder of the Fitpreneur Academy, and author of the book, Thank You, Cancer. Hey, Logan, how's it going? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I know your book came out December 3rd, so we're looking forward to having the opportunity to pick that up. More importantly, we're really excited just to get to know you, hear about all the cool stuff you've done, how you came up with the concept for the book itself. Let me just tell the audience a little bit about Logan. As they can hear, Logan is on the phone with us today. Logan Sneed went from high school athlete and college freshman to a stage four glioblastoma patient over night. That's brain cancer for those of us who aren't doctors. Doctors told Logan he wouldn't survive his diagnosis, and even if he did, he'd never have the quality of life he wanted. Logan refused to believe that. Each time someone told Logan he couldn't do something, he used it as fuel to prove them wrong. Today, Logan's a 23-year-old fitness entrepreneur making a six-figure income in remission and inspiring the world with his story of beating the odds. In his new book, Thank You, Cancer, which came out on December 3rd of 2019, Logan challenges us to thank the obstacles in our way. In the book, Logan asks, quote, could you write a letter to your weight, your debt, or your business? Could you thank it for making you grow? Can you find room to become happier, to enjoy the present, and to face the fear and doubt that has held you back? By thanking our obstacles, Logan says we can become the CEO of our own lives and the best version of ourselves. Logan, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you making the time to be on and really excited to hear more about your journey. Why don't you start from the beginning and tell us how how this all came about? So you're in high school, you find out you have brain cancer, tough diagnosis to overcome. Walk us through that. Yeah, so it was uh, it was one day that I, you know, was feeling great. It was actually a spring break of college and uh, you know, it was I was ready to go to the gym. I was like, "You know what? I think it's time for me to to lean out and take on a new path of maybe shredding down some some body fat and get lean." And so I left the gym and it was a new day, it was a new new journey and Suddenly, within one hour of leaving the gym, I was like, you know what? I'm feeling really motivated. I'm feeling good. Let me FaceTime my girlfriend. And by the way, for those that are curious, I've never FaceTimed in the car while driving ever in my entire life besides this one moment. And suddenly, as I'm FaceTiming her, I started having a seizure. Um, Well, excuse me. I started slurring my words. So I was like trying to say these things to her just on the phone, and I couldn't say them. And it, it was the, the words are right there in my tongue, but I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. And it was so difficult because I knew what I was trying to say and it just, my mouth wouldn't let me say them. So suddenly she thinks I'm playing a joke and she starts kind of laughing and chuckling. And then I, like I was just simply slurring them. I, she, no one can understand it. And suddenly I started having a seizure um, while I was driving, while I was driving by myself. And she witnessed the whole seizure take place over the phone while FaceTiming. Um, and I've never had a seizure in my entire life. I'd never have come close to any of that stuff. And um, she had no idea what was going on. So obviously, she called the ambulance immediately. Of course, she was freaking out. Um, I don't even remember really much of anything um, during that seizure. And it was a pretty crazy you know, event where I drove half a mile unconscious you know, by myself in the car. And thankfully... Um, I drove off of the um, off of the road into a little bit of a ditch, and there, again, miracle. There was actually no damage to the car. There was no injury, no nothing. Wow! Um, wow! So the uh, the ambulance and the fire de- fire department came, and they had to break into the car because you know I was having a seizure, and the car was locked. You know, obviously when I'm driving, so they had to break into the windows, get me out of the car, and take me directly to the hospital. Um, my parents obviously were freaking out. They had no clue what was going on. Nobody had any sort of sense on is this having a seizure? Is he just passed out? Is he drugged up? Is he like, what is going on? Um, so they said, yeah, this was a seizure. And they're like, well, why does he have a seizure? And they're like, we really have, our, our, we have no idea. Um, we're going to have to figure this out. It could be something in his head or in his body that could maybe have caused this. And we'll have to kind of get a scan to see. So 
that led to an MRI. Um, and the MRI, uh, I've never done an MRI, so, or excuse me, I have, but I never like, I never went into these things thinking, oh, it could be a massive brain tumor. You know, I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, it's probably just an average sort of thing, just get an MRI, yada, 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 project's done. Um, so I went to an MRI, came back, and they said, all right, I went to go visit a neuro, a neuro, a neurologist is what, is what you call them. A neurologist, he said, hey, it looks like there's an egg in your head. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a mass. We don't know if it's a brain tumor or if it's just a mass, but it's the size of an egg and it's fully in there. And he was like, we're going to have to talk to a surgeon. And I was like, okay, does that mean a brain surgeon? He said, yeah, we're going to have to talk to a brain surgeon. So that led to us going to the first brain surgeon that we met up with in Austin here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mm-hmm. first brain surgeon that I'm, I, that I went up to meet with the first words, and by the way, at this point in, at this point in my journey, I, I still couldn't wrap my mind around anything. So it really wasn't a big deal to me because I never thought that anything really that bad could ever happen to me. So I thought it was just like maybe just some, some sort of slip up and, you know, something will be fixed up and we're good to go. Right. Like um, most people, you're sitting there, you're just a high school kid, you're going through a normal life, you know, you're not expecting all of a sudden to get a brain cancer diagnosis from one day to the next, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so suddenly when I go and I, I meet this brain surgeon, I'm kind of walking in there all tough and buff, you know, like, eh, cool, right, what you got to say? And as soon as he shook my hand, before he even told me his name, he said, you know, hey, uh, Logan just wants you to know that, if, you know, if we're going to be doing brain surgery, um, I don't think you'll be able to speak or hear after this surgery again. Um, and that was the moment that I literally felt like I was tossed 500 pounds on top of my back and I had no clue what to do. Um, and so I was, I was at a loss for words. I didn't know how to react to that. Basically the guy's saying, Hey, after this surgery, you're going to be almost borderline mute for the rest of your life. So that really, really triggered us in thinking, okay, maybe we can go find a different surgeon who may have a different viewpoint on this because second opinions, if anybody's curious about second opinions, I would highly, 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 highly recommend second opinions, especially on health diagnosis or health situations. We went to a second, a second uh, brain surgeon. He's known as the number one brain surgeon in the world, Dr. Raymond Sawaya. And I go in there and say, hey, Dr. Sawaya, like, am I going to be able to speak or hear if we do this brain surgery thing? He said, of course you are. If I'm doing the surgery, that's not going to be a problem. Like, I got you. Don't worry. I was like, whoa. Okay. Sure. He said, well, hold on. <laughs> he, he said, are you, are you cool with us doing brain surgery tomorrow morning? I'm like, what? Uh, I'm like, okay, like, really, I have brain surgery tomorrow morning and I just met you? He said, if, if, if we, we, we need to attack this problem as soon as possible. And so I'm like, okay. So, yeah, the next day I had a seven-hour to eight-hour brain surgery. Wow. And wow. in that brain surgery, they actually woke me up in the middle of it to ask me questions, see if I could still speak and hear. Because if it got to a point where I couldn't speak or hear, they would have to cut the surgery off and they would have to leave the remains of the tumor in there. Um, so the full surgery went on for eight hours and he removed a hundred percent of the tumor. So that was a huge, 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 uh, gift is having a hundred percent tumor removal. And after that, I was kind of like, was like, all right, surgery's over project's done time to recover. Let's move on with life. And, uh, they said, all right, well, we're going to check this out. We'll let you know in about two weeks, what this really is. If there's any problems, we'll let you know. All right, cool. See you later. Um, so my parents, obviously, are they, they kind of a little bit know a little bit more about this stuff that's kind of happening more than I do. And to me, again, I thought it was just a, you know, brush it off sort of thing. And so two weeks come back and we go into the diagnosis and I'm going into this room just very like unsure, sketched out a little bit because it's at MD Anderson Cancer Center. And so in my head, I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely not a cancer patient. So that's, this. I don't know. It's probably not going to be a big deal, but I don't know why I'm in here. So yeah, it's going to be okay. And so. I was really sketched out. And then we go in there and she doesn't even really even look me in the eyes. She kind of shakes my hand with her head down and brushes her face, her forehead off there. And, you know, has her hands cringed and stuff. And she goes, you know, I'm sorry, but this is going to be a, um, a stage four glioblastoma brain tumor. Um, and it looks like you have about one to 10 years left to live. Wow. And I'm like, well, I, I, again, I, I couldn't say any words. It's like I added another 500 pounds on my back. Physically, I, I legitimately almost couldn't even stand up. Um, that's literally how that felt. And so we're like lost, like we have no clue. And so my parents, you know, the go getting mentality, they asked, you know, all right, well, is there anything that we can do? My dad goes, you know, 
like, can we do something about this? Like, what should we do? Like we get it. There's, there's a problem there, but let's figure something out. And she was like, you know, I'm sorry. Um, we just can't really do anything about this. We're just going to have to go through chemotherapy, um, radiation, and we're going to do the best we can. So my, my dad said, okay, well, hold on. So there's no like food or, you know, drinks or I don't know, sugar or anything that he should or shouldn't have. And she's like, no, sir. You know, I mean, there's nothing we can do. And my dad goes, okay, so my son can go have a beer and a burger and that's okay. That's what you're telling my son. And she said, word for word, yes, sir. That's, that's, that's what I'm telling him. And so of course, hearing that from some of the smartest doctors in the world is just like, I mean, no, no one knows what the heck to do in that situation. And so we left there. I was just shot down. Like, you know, I literally had no idea why I was even still on planet earth. You know, I feel like I was like taking up time, space, energy, money for all this, you know, horrific doctor's appointments. And, um, it left me distraught. And so I spent about two weeks just like destroyed on life, just clueless. And so one day it just kind of happened where I was meeting up with a good friend of mine who's been a mentor of mine, great friend and everything. We're going paddleboarding down here in downtown Austin. And he had, you know, he was like, you know, Logan, how, how are you feeling? Like, just give me an update. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know why I'm here. Like I, I have no freaking clue of anything. He's like, have you heard of this keto, keto diet? And I'm like, no, what, what, what just tell me more. And he's like, well, this keto diet is a high fat, medium protein, low carb diet. And, and basically what this can do is potentially it could help shrink and or prevent tumor regrowth in your, in your body. Wow. And he said, you know, it's interesting because you eat a lot of fat, you have medium protein and you eat low carb. And he was like, you know, it also has been shown to help people lose body fat in general, become more lean, improve cognitive function, fight epilepsy, um, you know, seizures, diabetes, Parkinson's disease, uh, you know, cancer, all these sort of things. And I was like, wow, I was like, that is really interesting. I've never heard of that. So I went home that one day and I researched till like 3 a.m. in the morning what the heck this even is. And the next day I started this and it gave me such a drive. And again, I can't, I can't say that, you know, suddenly in one day it saved my entire life because I don't, I don't even really know, but it gave me a drive and something to push forward with and make it work. You know, a lot of us go into businesses or diets and we're like, oh man, I hope this works. I hope it works. Of course, we always hope everything works, right? But unless we change our mentality saying, I'm going to make this work, not I'm going to hope this work, I'm going to make it work. That's really what sparked me. And ever since then, I've never changed it. And ever since then, I've never had any tumor regrowth and nothing is back. Results are amazing. And I feel better than I ever have in my life. Um, That's and, absolutely you know, incredible. The goes on, incredible so, story. Yeah. Incredible, incredible story. Um, so, so, okay. So now you've overcome your in remission, which uh, amazing. This is phenomenal to hear that you were able to find a way out. Do you, have you gone back to the doctors and explained to them that you've used keto in this way and how it helped you out and what was their reaction? Yeah. So I've done this many, many, many times is just going in there and say, Hey, Hey doctor, like, you know, you're curious is what I'm doing. You know, I mean, I don't know if you really care or not, but I, I think you do. They, they know the keto diet because of how much it's grown so rapidly, especially through the cancer weight loss realm of things. And every time I go in there, I give them another update on what I'm doing. They, they love it. Um, but they never say like, Hey, that's, that's so interesting. Let's learn more about that. Right. Because like, I, I don't understand it. They want to study the things that they want to study. They don't really want to study what potentially is already working for people. And I'm not saying doctors are horrible. They're obviously very, very important, but I'm just saying they, they never have really said, Logan, that is so interesting. Keep doing this because you know, this could really, really help. And I understand some of their side legally, like, you know, they're not going to say like, yes, yeah, you can save your life. You know, um, they're, they're kind of just in a sense of like, they're basically kind of just sitting there shutting their mouth and clapping their hands. It's kind of all they're really doing. And Again, I get it. It may be legal protection, but at least you know it seems like they would want a little bit more interest. Um, and they don't—they don't really—they're not studying it or any of that stuff. Okay, but they are kind of at least monitoring you from a medical perspective and making sure that you're not having any regrowth of your tumor, not having cancer anywhere else in your body, and that the keto is safe. So, in other words, what I'm getting at is, generally speaking, do you recommend? that individuals who do keto 
also work with a medical practitioner just to make sure that they're safe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're they're kind of it's, it's almost like sprinkles on the cupcake is kind of what it is, and that's how they're they're kind of seeing it. You know, of course, they're not going to say, "Hey, never do keto," or they're not going to say, "Hey, do keto; it'll save your life." It's just kind of a neutral level of just saying, "Hey, it's working for you, keep doing it." So, yeah, yeah, for sure on that. Right. Okay. So now you're you're in remission. Walk us through where you are in your life. Keto has essentially changed your life. It's helped you cure yourself of cancer. You you feel fantastic. You're in the best shape of your life. And then what happens? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel I feel incredible. Um, no tumor regrowth. Um, I'm not doing any chemo, radiation, nothing. Um, I've already gone. I've already been through that process for about 12 weeks, and now I'm, you know, running my own online health and fitness businesses. I'm doing, um, you know, FusionLean.com, where it's my six figure. Uh, business where I help people build, or excuse me, follow their own ketogenic diet program that helps them see results physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, and then I'm doing Fitpreneur Academy where I'm guiding people on starting their own online health and fitness business, taking their story, you know, and shaping that into their personal brand and changing lives. Um, and so, yeah, I'm doing that. And then obviously I wrote the book, Thank You Cancer, where um, for those that are curious, it says F-U Cancer on it, but it has thank you, uh, that's taped over it in the, in the title. Um, and that's my journey of, you know, that I've everything I've ever been through kind of everything they all just heard, but just summarized up, um, in the book. And there's obviously a lot more details in there, but yeah, I mean, wrote the book and doing my business and, you know, traveling around doing book signings and stuff and meeting great people. And it's a lot of fun. It's just, it's so amazing at, you know, how much cancer has really given me in, in such a positive way. Awesome. Yeah. And the book cover is very attractive. It's just red with white letters, F U cancer real big. And then you've got a, a piece, a piece of essentially masking tape with thank written on top of the masking tape in sort of a black Sharpie kind of motif, right? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's take a step back to fusionlean.com because that's where kind of it all started for you. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So at, at what point in your journey did you start FusionLean.com and how did you come to that realization that you should take what you've learned in your experience with cancer and then using keto for yourself and how you turn that into FusionLean.com and, and eventually into a six-figure business? Yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of a random thing. I, you know, I was like, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I was actually in college um, my degree was in entrepreneurship, but I, I really wanted to be able to drop out of college and do my own business and be my own entrepreneur for a living. And it was my goal to drop out. And so suddenly when I found the ketogenic diet and I saw the physical results that I was seeing, I was in just utter shock. The fact that I was seeing these results while doing chemotherapy and radiation. And I started posting on social media and people were like, what in the world are you doing? Like, how are you seeing these results through chemotherapy and radiation? That makes no sense. And so people got really interested. My, my social media was going extremely viral um, because no one heard about the keto diet. And so people were messaging me all day, like, what is this? What is this? How can I do it? And so I was like, you know what? Maybe this is my business. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start this business. I'll be an online trainer and see what happens. So suddenly I did that. And I'm not going to say voila, I became, you know, super successful. I put in countless hours, but it got to a sure. point where I was able to drop out of college and do this for a full living. And it was wow. a huge dream of mine, um, in that process. And so, yeah, that's really what kind of came about, you know, not only was I seeing obviously great health results, but amazing physical results. And people were so fascinated that, you know, it just grew so fast because nobody knew what the heck it even was. So that's really cool. So you start FusionLean.com, you decide to take keto to another level and to help others to learn about keto, the diet, how it all works and how it can be beneficial to them from a health perspective. And obviously it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. Have you built it? What does your team look like now? And how did you take it from, okay, I have this idea. I bought the domain FusionLean.com without going through every single incremental step, how did you go from that to scaling it to a six figure business? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So this part is kind of in my book. This is kind of, this is not off topic, but I, I brought on a business partner in my life and I had thought he was a great add on to the business. It actually was the worst business decision I've ever made. And I had to go through some legal stuff, getting rid of him. Um, but that was just something that I learned. And so 
what I did was I went full throttle and I randomly ran into uh, a guy on Instagram and he had messaged me and was like very curious about everything. And I, I'll be honest, I've gotten messages like this of like, Hey, we'd love to chat about working together on your business, blah, 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 blah. You know, I get it. I get it. And this guy, he was putting in so much work of like saying, Logan, like, here's where you're at. Here's where I really believe we can go with this thing. And I was, I was intrigued, but I wasn't like sealed up with it. And so he kept putting in, countless amount of efforts to get on board of this business and show me how he can help scale it. And he did it for about six months with, you know, not even making a penny on trying to work with me. And so I, um, one day I was like, you know what? All right. What the heck? Let's do it. And so he now is one of my best friends. He lives in Dublin, Ireland, and he's my back end uh, team. He runs, you know, all the, all the back end stuff. We're talking, you know, maybe Facebook ads, we're talking scalability process, programming, all that stuff. And, it's the best business decision I've ever made. And, um, you know, it's all done through a shake of a hand. So he's a, um, he gets, you know, a percent of the business of the revenue. He doesn't get a legal, like a legal amount. So I own a hundred percent of the business, but he gets a percent of the revenue and underneath him and, uh, him and I, there's our team at the back end of customer service, um, web developers, content creators, customer service, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. We have about a team of five in that. And then we also have our ad manager um, that is doing very well. He's a good friend of mine also. And uh, yeah, it's me and my business partner. And those are the, you know, teams underneath us. And I, I really scaled it by showing my story, right? I showed my story and some people say, well, are you using your story to make money? And I say, exactly right. That's exactly what I'm doing because it's my story. It's my journey. It's what I've overcome. And there's people going through the same thing. So if I can show them how to change their life, and if I can do that for a living, then I absolutely, I'm going to do that. So yeah, you know, I've marketed my story, my journey, my personal results, you know, my personal change. And that's what really intrigued people because of how relatable it was. And that's where a lot of people get scared, you know, in the online health and fitness world, or just even in any entrepreneurship world is the fact that like, you don't need to be a specialized, whatever. You don't need to have a million followers. You don't need to be, you know, Tony Robbins or anything like that. Like you have your story and that is more relatable, more attractive to audiences than you, you know, having a million followers and, you know, looking good or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's really kind of how I went about that. And that's what really helped scale the business. Interesting. Interesting. So let's just take another quick step back. So two different, you had a dichotomy and experience here between the first business partner that ended up being a bad decision and just didn't work out. And then all of a sudden this other individual comes along, puts in six months of just straight adding value, not even looking for a return necessarily just wants to show you the value that they can bring to your organization. And that ends up being the best decision you have ever made. So interesting little yin and yang there. So quickly looking at that, Walk us through what maybe the top three issues were with the first business partner that maybe you would have done differently or that you'd advise others to be careful about. And then what really worked with the new business partner? Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I was super like, you know, all right, yeah, let's do it on the first one is the fact that he, I already knew who he was. He was a big mentor of mine. Um, I trusted him with, through my blood, sweat and tears. Um, he was already so incredibly successful. I was like, you know what? Of course, you know, if he wants to be part of the business, absolutely. And I took that on. I accepted it. And stupid me, well, I say stupid me, it was, it was literally my first year out of college. So I still didn't even understand these things. Um, he was like, all right, well, let's go. We're going to, we're going to do, um, make this an LLC and I'll, I'll get, you know, 40% of the business and, you know, you'll get 60. And then like, you know, you, you know, you know, you, know, you see those commercials where it's like, at the very end, it's the somebody who's like jibber jabbering at like top speed and you have no clue what they're saying, <laughs> but they're just saying that just because they have it there. And that's literally kind of what it was. And I was like, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, no, no problem. And I had no clue. And so then suddenly we're going into our first year and he's putting in absolutely no work. Like I'm talking no work at all. And I'm literally, mm, I'm putting in, I mean, hundred hours a week. And of course I love it, but of course you got to, put in that work for, you know, success. And so he's putting in no work. He's actually out of the country for like half of the year. And we're chatting maybe once every other week for maybe 10 minutes. And suddenly I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I'm putting in so much work and he's making nearly 50% of the business. And I'm basically making him a ton of money. And I was like, you know what? Hmm. This is not working at all. So I 
I had to buckle down and say, you know what, I got to get rid of him. So we went through some legal stuff and he couldn't believe it. And, you know, yada, 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 he got, he got pretty dramatic, but I just had to get rid of him. And in that process is actually when my other business partner um, wanted to come on. And what really attracted me to working with my new business partner is the fact that he was so keen on showing me, not telling me, right? right. He was showing me what he could be bringing to the table. Not, not saying all the, you know, dandy, amazing things. And the fact that he was showing me before he's even making any money or even I, I've never even met the guy like that is what really made me, made me go through with it. And now that he's on board, we're, I mean, the trust that has been built is just insane. Um, I've met him one time in my entire life in Austria. That's the only time I've ever seen him face to face. And I trust him just as much as my family. And that's really one of the biggest things is like, if you can build trust with somebody like through the work that he put in with no money, then that right there is going to show you what more he can even bring when he's making money. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's the best business decision I've ever made. We're going to be together, working together for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, however long, you know, we're operating and stuff. And um, yeah, he's, such a great guy. That's very interesting. And I think there are a couple things there to unpack. If you don't mind, we'll just kind of go back and summarize everything real quick because there was a lot in there first with the first business partner. You know, it sounds like first of all, there was sort of a breakdown in communication. Maybe the expectations were different on both sides. He had some expectations that he would just come in as sort of a pseudo investor and that you would do all the work. And obviously you didn't expect that on the back end. And I don't know if that's, you know, just poor communication in general. Nobody thought of it or the lawyer drafting the LLC documents, the operating agreement, et cetera, and helping you to set that up just didn't take a step back and say, hey, you know, maybe you guys want to think about what your roles, responsibilities and accountability is going to be in this venture so that everybody knows going in what's going on. And yeah. just a quick question, quick question there on your way out, how bad was the breakup? Was it easy because the operating agreement was nice and smooth or was it a really difficult transition because it just didn't spell out how to break this off? Yeah. I mean, first, first real quick, the, the lawyer that we actually worked with is actually one of his really good friends. And I had no, yeah, I, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah, no, I mean, of course now I'm learning that. Right. I had no right, clue. And right. that was a good friend of his. They do business all the time. And so, um, yeah, I mean, making that decision was ex so extremely difficult because I'm going to be straight up with you. Like he was my mentor from freshman year of high school all the way to, I mean, to that time. Um, and I still talk to him every now and then, but like, it was so difficult where like I, I had so much like tension in my mind and in my body for so long because the work I was putting in, it was literally like right. just pissing me off. I'm like, I'm working so freaking hard for this and he's getting all of this money and he won't even answer his phone. And so one day I had to do it at my, oh. at my apartment. And I was like, I was like, man, I was like, dude, I just want to thank you for everything you've done. But like, I, I this is not going to work. Like I'm putting in countless amount of efforts to this. And I feel like I'm giving you almost all my income and I just don't think this is going to work. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, it's, it's just not. And so, at first it was very difficult because we're legally binded. So like, I, honestly, like he could have just said, no, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with it. You're going to keep paying me for the rest of your, you know, whatever we have this business operating on, or you got to buy me out, which again, I didn't even understand that sort of thing. So the way we operated was I, for him to leave, I'd have to buy him out at, you know, 40%, which is a lot of money. And so, um, I just said, I said, man, I said, do you, do you like, do you think that you deserve the full buyout of this business? Do you think you've put in that effort for the amount of money that it's legally that you're saying that you should be having? And, you know, it got really complicated. We went to the lawyer. Right. Right. It was no, there was no like legal battles or anything. It was more just like an egoistic sort of thing. Like, do you really think that you should be taking my money okay, as a college dropout at 21 years old? Do you think you deserve this and you're already, you know, making a million? Like, I mean, really, and so anyways, it's kind of a long story short on that whole decision. We actually got to a point where I, I still don't believe that it was the right. I mean, I, he did get me a deal. I didn't have to buy him out at the full 40%, but he worked down a pretty good percent that he's getting. I, I can't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but he's getting a good percent payout for each year for the next like five years. So, right. I mean, 
it is what it is. It was my mistake. It was, it was it's, it's a decision I made. So he's getting his portion. And if he's, you know, feels deserving of that, then by all means, you know, go for it. But um, I just have to kind of brush it off, say, you know what, we're done. This is all sealed. We're good to go. And so in that process, for those who are curious, I got my own lawyer in this and he had my back in this. So it really protected me in making obviously smarter decisions along that process. Right. Yeah. Just to unpack that a little bit. I'm an attorney, as we talked about on the intro call when we discussed doing this episode, and I frequently work with entrepreneurs on issues like this. And generally speaking, when I'm at the forefront, you know, helping them to form their business or prepare their operating agreement, these are some of the discussions that I'm bringing up, regardless of friend, foe, or neutral party in the room, because as the attorney, they're supposed to represent the interest of the entity as a whole. And there's a conflict of interest there that sounds like it may have been involved in your original issue. And then part of that is sort of working in those those things as part of either the succession plan or the buy-sell agreement part of the operating agreement and working out some of these potential issues. You know, what happens if one of us wants out? What happens if one of us isn't lifting what we're supposed to be lifting or doing our job and being accountable for what we're supposed to be accountable for. Oh, and by the way, what are we supposed to be accountable for, right? Let's lay all of those things out on yeah. the table to avoid those issues later. And unfortunately, that just wasn't your your situation originally. So sorry to hear that. But it sounds like on the back end, you end up then finding this new business partner who comes along and now, personally, I'm, I'm of this mindset as well. Show people first, show, not tell, that you're going to bring value to the relationship, right? And he puts in, it's a he, I'm sorry, right? Yeah, he, for sure, yep. Yeah, he puts in six months of time, basically just showing you how he could help you develop the back end of the business, the, the sort of the, the structure internally, right? helping you with your website, helping you with marketing campaigns. Walk us through that. How did you find him? How did you two come to sort of this collaborative agreement? And then now on the back end, obviously you're, you're paying it back in a way that works for the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. So again, he, he just randomly messaged me on Instagram and I never really took it serious. And, you know, usually when people get blown off, I mean, they'll just flake out and never contact you again. But he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, showing me numbers, showing me results and, and everything. And I was like, man, and I was like, all right, it looks good. looks good. looks good. Then he kept showing me, he was like, you know what? We can help scale the business, right? He said, you know, you have a lot of programs sold, but we need to take these buyers and we need to improve the overall lifelong value of all these clients, right? Like, yeah, it's good to get 9,000 people, you know, paying $150 program, but we need to get 9,000 people maybe at a selling point of, 250 and then work your way to 500 and then a thousand where a one client value is at a thousand dollars, not looking for, you know, a thousand clients at $10 or whatever. Um, so right, that right. is something that really intrigued me. And again, I was so new to business. I literally, was, I dropped out of college and that was my first, first, excuse me, second year into the business world. And it really intrigued me. He showed me how much higher quality we can get new offers, maybe some rebranding structure. And, um, you know, it really intrigued me. And so I, I brought him on and what was, what really, really pushed it, right. Is the fact that he said, you know, look, and I told him, I told him about the whole situation that I just went through. I said, look, man, <laughs> I said, these decisions are so tough. I already made a stupid decision. I don't want to make another one, but you seem very trustworthy in what you've already done. And he said, look, Logan, he said, what we can do. And again, I'm not, I, so there's some people who may disagree with this approach and I totally understand because it's very difficult to go at this approach in business unless you truly, 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 truly trust the person. And the way that he stated it, he said, you know, Logan, we can make this to where we don't have to do any legal binding. Okay. What we would do is we would just do a revenue share. So at the end of each month, I'll get blank percent of the total revenue and we can go there. And if things don't work out, if things, you know, get complicated or whatever, we can cut it off. We can shake of a hand. No problem that's it. And I was like, you know what? That's a little like, I, like I like that approach, but kind of tough. And so man, my, my gut feeling was like saying, yeah, just do it. You know, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work in the first month or two or three, just cut them off and that's it. 
And so ever since then, there's absolutely been no legal binding whatsoever. He lives in Dublin, Ireland. Um, we're, we're operating on the shake of a hand. Again, I know that's like some people say that's stupid to do, but when you trust somebody as much as I trust him, it's like I have no problem with it. Um, and so, you know, he's got everything to lose. I got everything to lose. So it makes us need each other in this process. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. It just, he works hard, you know, because the fact that he, and this is another, te- another point in this is the fact that he makes percent of sales, percent of revenue pushes him to make more, right? The first one, he ma- he had 40% of the business. So no matter how good or bad it did, he has 40%, right? My business partner, he only gets the revenue. So if it's poor sales in that month, he's getting poor overall, um, you know, um, uh, revenue for the, for the month. If it goes really well, he's getting more. So when it goes well, it goes well for him. When it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well for him. So that's what pushes him and gets him, you know, more fired up and more motivated on all this stuff. And so, yeah, I hope that, you know, kind of makes sense there. Yeah, it does. That's great. And thank you for clarifying on all of that. I think that helps in general. All right. So now looking at your strategy from going from starting this website, you said you sold roughly, I guess, 9,000 programs, it sounds like, right? At around 150. You need to scale up to get to about 1,000 per program, right? So what type of value are you adding to each program? How are you looking to increase that value so that your original target audience will want to follow along with you, pay you more for the products and services you're offering. Yeah. So again, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs include, I mean, I'm talking to myself as well, but like a lot of us go into this saying, okay, I need to sell thousands of programs. Okay, great. Yeah. Selling thousands of programs are, is awesome, but let's look at the value of the program and look at whether or not people are actually going to follow this. Because a lot of people are selling $10 PDF files. And if they're selling a $10 PDF file, do you really think somebody's going to follow that for a full 12 weeks and see amazing results? My answer is no. Like, they'll look at it one day and they'll never look at it again and they'll never come back. But if you look at, if you look at a program that's extremely valuable, that's giving sheer value, it's very quality, people are loving it, they'll want to come back and they'll be more open to buying anything else that you have to offer. And so what we've done is, you know, we have our 12-week program. They go through month one, two, and three. And in that process, we'll bring, you know, upsell offers of like, all right, Jake, awesome to have you on week four. By the way, we just wanted to introduce you to the new, you know, week four, 2.0, you know, whatever that is. Like, you know, maybe it's a, a check-in call at, you know, 250 bucks or, you know, um, you know, an added on program, a summer shredding program, whatever that is, there's always an upsell offer. And by the time they get done with their 12 weeks, um, you know, they've already spent 700, 800 bucks. And, you know, we can even at the end of the 12 weeks say, all right, now you can have access to your exclusive VIP Fusion Lean coaching program where now we have coaches who do the coaching and the coaches that we have on board, they make commission. So they don't, we don't pay them hourly. They make simple commission. And so the, the client that's already bought numerous programs, sees that and says, Oh, okay. Yeah. 800 bucks for this extreme VIP coaching, whatever. Yeah. I'll do that too. And so by then it looks and they're looking at it and they've spent 1200 bucks in, you know, it helps me scale because it's not me coaching. It's the coaches coaching. And so in that time period allows me to scale the business and bring in more overall, you know, sales and, you know, social media growth and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. And going back, so you built this business completely online. How are you building that no like trust type of relationship? How are you building the audience in general? And then how are you building that trust with them? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I like we're talking for, for online training of any sort. Well, for any business, you need to develop trust by providing value of support. Okay. And I don't mean you're, I'm not saying you got to do a call with somebody every hour every day. I'm simply saying responding efficiently to the simple questions that you're getting asked. When you can respond to those with authority, you know, and I'm not saying you have to sacrifice every second of your day to respond to these things, but when you can do it at a rapid pace, right, that is bringing so much value because people see that you're there for them. And if they see that you're there for them and your pro- their problems are being solved when they need them solved, they know, okay, he's always going to have my back. So if he always has my back, then of course I'm open to know how much more he can have my back in these other things. 
and these other things that are going to help me grow. Because if I'm already seeing growth through his quality program and through him having my back, well, then, of course, let me go see what more I can do to grow myself and get better and get in better shape, whatever. And so that's what builds that trust. And, and again, I know it sounds just kind of cliche, but, like, providing sheer quality customer service is so underrated, um, especially if people want a serious six-figure business. And I just cannot say how, much, how important it really is because those are people who will buy anything that you have to offer for the rest of your life if you build that trust with that customer service. Amazing. Now walk us through your book. You've built Fusion Lean into this six-figure business. You've spent all this time. You've built out a team. How does that lead you into, okay, I'm going to write a book at 23 years of age? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, it, it's been in my head, you know, like, of like, I want to be an author. Some people say it's, you know, borderline insane and, you know, something that's not possible. And I was like, you know what, <laughs> you know, like I, I really believe that this is possible because I have a story and I have a, a journey of so many different things like cancer. Yeah. I was biggest thing in the book, but there's so many things of business problems, depression, uh, breakup. I went through loneliness, social media, hate. I went through low self-worth, low comp. I mean, this goes on and on in that book. And I just was like, you know what? There's so many things that people are going through that I have already been through in such a short amount of time. And I need to show them how they can overcome them. And it really hit me in the sense of like, Logan, you realize like, if you didn't have cancer, if you didn't go through these horrific things in your life, like either A, you wouldn't have a business, B, you wouldn't be where you are in your life, or C, you wouldn't be changing lives. And I was like, you know what? I got to write a book. I don't care how long it'll take. And I actually, it's a long story short, but I was actually sitting in my apartment and uh, I pulled out my Snapchat and I pulled out a journal. And by the way, I hand wrote my entire book. And then I obviously had to type it all out, but I hand wrote the entire thing. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, I posted on Snapchat. I was like, you know what? I guess I said day one. I, said, I, don't, I don't care how long this will take. It may take a year. It may take five years. I said, but it will happen one day. Um, I posted that. And then, of course, it took about a year and a half, two years and became a real book. So <laughs> that's incredible. Really incredible. So. There you go. Walk us through the book a little bit. Who's it geared towards? What can we find in the book? And what type of help do you offer overall? Yeah, yeah. So again, the, the title of the book, Thank You, Cancer. And the subtitle of the book is going to really help people understand if it's for them or not. The subtitle of the book is called 30 Days in Realizing Nothing is Impossible. Right? So everything, everyone has these, ha, ha, we all have these obstacles in our mind and in our, in our life that we think is nearly impossible. We have dreams. We have goals to, you know, grow as a person. We have goals to achieve, you know, entrepreneur, whatever that is in our life. We have goals to overcome these things and, and achieve, but we're not doing it. And so 30 days to realize nothing is impossible. That's my book is showing people that whatever you're going through in your life, whether it's cancer, depression, failure, you know, pursuit of dreams, whatever that is, something holding you back. I want to show you how those obstacles that you're looking at right now are the best things that could ever happen to you and how that's an opportunity of you facing it attacking it and achieving it. And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, people obviously with cancer, but um, I mean, business, life in general, it's the quote of this. It always seems impossible until it is done. So if you're wanting to go achieve anything in your life, overcome anything, this book is for you and just helping you, you know, achieve the impossible. That's awesome. And, you know, thank you for sharing your experience, your journey with us and being so open about this really tough period in your life and how it led to this. So the overall message of the book though, is essentially that you can take any obstacle, anything that's happened to you, that's been a negative in your life, flip it on its head and turn it into something positive and really use it to fuel sort of rocket rocket fuel, like shoot you into the atmosphere, so to speak, in terms of taking you to another level. Right. Absolutely. So, so, you know, what are you, what's your main, let's say top three inspirational takeaways from your experience. And then that you have in the book for the readers. Yeah. I would say my top three takeaway moments are, Oh gosh. I think when I walked out of that diagnosis, I felt like my life was done. Like I felt worthless. Right. And I think a lot of us can feel like completely worthless, but I knew that in my mind, I knew that in my heart and soul that there was something that I could pursue that would change my life. And, you know, I'm not saying keto diet is going to save everyone's life, but I just saw something there. And the biggest thing I learned from that is that, hey, you know, it always seems impossible until it is done. 
we can see our dreams. We can see where we want to go, but we'll never know if it's possible. We'll never know what our life actually can be until we actually go after it. And so we say, well, what if I don't achieve it? Okay. You don't achieve it, but guess what? You learned and you just grew a million times more than if you didn't even do anything. And so what I learned from that is that, you know, no words are going to control your life. You're going to control your own life. Um, and really the second thing I learned from this is that, you know, I, I, I know it sounds very like inaccurate, but I say be slow down, but speed up, right? I'm kind of talking my old self and I mean, slow down, speed up in the sense of like Logan live life. And I, I don't mean live life going out and partying, whatever. I mean, live life and understanding where you're at, how much more you can go, but enjoy the process. Don't, don't go out there saying I need to reach blank, 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 and then I'll be happy or blank, 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 and then I'll be successful. Realize that if you're going in the process and you're not stopping, you're already successful. Because a lot of people think that the destination is the success when the process is the sheer success because they're going through what a lot of people don't even want to go through or aren't even willing to take the steps in. So that's the second thing I learned. And I think, oh man, uh, really just summarizing it all up, you know, all the obstacles that I've ever been through and now now that I've learned that those are some of the best things that have happened to me, I've learned that any time now that I face another business obstacle, I face another, you know, confidence obstacle, another like, you know, what if this, what if that, I realize and I say, Logan, it's the process. Like, that's the way it goes. So you have to understand, I'm not saying be happy these things, but just realize like it's always going to come, but it's never, you have the option to let it control you or not control you because you've learned that these obstacles that you can make it to where it's not controlling you. You can control it by how you react to it. That's what I've learned really just in life in general is like, you know, you're throwing obstacles no matter what, no matter where your life is at, but you have the, you have the, the, the willingness and the decision to let it control you or you control it. So, um, yeah, I hope those are, you know, good answers for you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that was brilliant. I think so going back to the first one where you talked about sort of, entrepreneurial mental issues, um, you know, mental fog, imposter syndrome, those kinds of things. I think a lot of entrepreneurs and, and myself as an individual as well, and other colleagues that I have that are entrepreneurs, we all go through that at some point, right? You, you kind of get into this negative headspace and it's hard to get out of yeah. how, what are your practical steps, your practical advice that you give to people to say, you know, you're just going through a funk right now. Don't worry about it. Let's flip this around and turn it into something positive. How do you practically go about that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I it's, you know, something I kind of recently went through and what I did was, is I know, I know this sounds like really, really weird, but change up what you're doing, right? If you want what you always have gotten, then do what you always have done. If you want what you have never gotten, you have to do what you have never done. And what I mean by that is change up the simplest things, right? Maybe change up your daily routine. Instead of waking up and, you know, doing a morning routine, wake up and just go to the gym. Or maybe drive a different route to the gym. Or instead of sitting at home, you know, doing your work, go to a coffee shop. You get different vibes, right? You see a lot of people work and work and work, and it's going to push you to work and work and work. Or if you've been going to coffee shops, go find a friend to go work with or go home and work, right? Like change things up in your daily routine. Maybe change up your diet a little bit. I'm not saying to do a keto diet. I'm just saying maybe you're eating blank, blank, and blank. But now try doing this. Maybe eat a little bit more meat or maybe bring in some meditation, right? Like meditation is definitely a challenge. And I got to say this, like it has literally changed my life. Um, not only for the entrepreneurship in my journey and feeling motivated every day, but I just feel so much more at peace. And that's one thing I brought in. I was like, you know what? Everyone talks about this meditation, but like, eh, I mean, I'll just try it. So I did it. I had to master it. And because I've done that, it's helped me fix my life and a lot of obstacles I've been in mentally and emotionally through the entrepreneurship journey. And so, yeah, that's what I would say is like change things up, whether it's the littlest things or the biggest things, um, because that can bring new results in many ways. Wonderful. Great advice, by the way. Great advice. Thank you. Thank really, you. really quickly, what type of meditation do you do? How did you get past the hump with which most people, I think, get hammered down by? Oh, I don't know if I can sit still for 10, 15, 20 minutes just alone with my thoughts. That's the problem to begin with, is that our minds are racing 
you know, a hundred miles an hour, 24 seven with all the things we have to do, especially for entrepreneurs. So what type of meditation, what style of meditation do you do? And how did you overcome that initial sort of mountain climb to get past that hump of sitting by yourself in silence? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to say this, like I literally thought I would be the last person sitting in silence by myself. Like I, I was like, there's no way. So I started out with a simple five minutes and literally at, at minute four and five, I'd get so antsy and I'd do, I'd end it. That's it. And so over time it incrementally grew. And so now it's five, 10, 15, 20, and now it's like 30 minutes. And I'm not even timing the thing. I'm just looking at the clock. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. 30 minutes done. Um, and really what I'm doing is I, I want to simplify it for people because I, I don't go into this crazy, like, you know, hands up in the air, perfect posture sort of thing. Like I get comfortable and what I do is I simply visualize the breath for about eh, five to 10 minutes, right? So I visualize my lungs getting bigger and smaller, bigger and smaller. And I do everything I can to just focus on just that. And if your mind goes off on a tangent, it's no problem. Like just bring it back to where it was. Like don't freak out. It's normal. And so after that time, what I do, this is also really different. Well, it's not, I mean, I think a lot of people do this in meditation, but what I do is I visualize basically... Um, gosh, I mean, what's the word? Uh, what's a, um, kind of like a, a, a mushy Play-Doh, if that makes sense. But I visualize this like mushy Play-Doh basically like seeping through my entire body, starting at the head. And I visualize it going down all the way through my body from my head all the way down to my toe. And what that is, I visualize that as being like this invincible medicine, this invincible, um, energy going into my body that basically makes my body internally invincible. And I mean that in the sense of like, it's going to like, it's going to help me become mentally stronger. It's going to help me become cancer free for the rest of my life. It's going to help me, you know, prevent any sickness, whatever that is. I visualize my body getting rid of any toxins, any pain, any stress or any of that. I do that for probably about five to 10 minutes. Um, and then the last like 10 minutes or so, what I do is I visualize my goals. So I, you know, I visualize, you know, reaching a millionaire. I visualize my goal of reaching, you know, New York times bestseller. I visualize myself on stage speaking to millions of people. I visualize myself, um, you know, hitting a million subscribers and followers. I visualize myself having a family one day. Um, and I basically visualize that physically, mentally, and emotionally for about 10 minutes. And I say it in my head, like, you know, and I don't say this to other people, but I just say in my head is like, you know, I am a millionaire. I am a top selling author. Like I am successful. I say that in my head and that's drilling my subconscious mind. And then that's what really just makes me feel that life before it's even here. And so that's what gives me that confidence of like, all right, I know that's where I'm going to be. And that's where I already am. And that's what gives me some peace and gives me sleep well, not going to sleep in the sense of like, Oh gosh, I don't know this. I don't know that. It just gives me peace. And so that's kind of my 30 minute, you know, process and meditation. And it's, it's changed my life. Very cool. Very cool. Where did you learn all of that? By the way, did you use an app? Did you have sort of a teacher mentor guru, so to speak, that guided you through all of this? Or did you just do your own research online and kind of compile this all together? Because I'll, I'll take a quick sidebar here to say that your meditation's really interesting. By the way, I, I do meditate. My wife meditates as well. I actually have a mentor that works with me mm. on different forms of meditation, Qigong and all sorts of those things. And yours is really fascinating because part one is sort of mindfulness and just kind of bringing yourself into a centered and rested state. And then that visualization of that um, jelly-like putty that you were talking about kind of washing away all of the toxins, so to speak, and also at the same time, leaving behind an invincible structure that is yourself after you've been sort of cleansed, so to speak, is a form of essentially Qigong exercise. It's, it's very similar to the inner smile meditation. Mm -hmm. And, and then taking it a step further then your visualization exercises are sort of affirmation style, um, meditation, maybe some becoming supernatural in there. If you've ever read that book, it's a really good yeah. one. Um, or that kind of style of meditation. So you actually have three different forms of meditation in there. I think that's really fascinating. How did you learn that? And then how did you put all of those together? Yeah, I just, I literally, I saw different ways of doing everything. And, um, you know, I, I literally just had to teach myself. I was like, 
what makes me at peace, right? Like some, some people may not work on visualizing the breath. Like that may just like kind of not stress them out, but just kind of like, all right, all right, all right this is weird. I, I didn't find anything about something else. So I like, it doesn't fit everybody, but I just figured like, you know, portions of each thing brings value to my, to my life in each way. So if I can bring value to my life in more ways than one while I'm at a calming state of meditation, I'm like, you know what, why not just bring them together? And so I did it one time and suddenly, you know, it's kind of snowballed to a longer period of 30 minutes. And I literally just had to teach myself and kind of to keep it simple for people, you know, I, I didn't even really download any apps or anything for this. Now there are great apps out there for this stuff, but I literally just went on YouTube and I typed in meditation music and there's always a channel or two out there. Um, I can't remember the names of them, but they, all they literally do is play live meditation music 24 hours a day. And so I just turned that on. It's a very soothing, you know, uh, sound and, and song that, that plays. And it keeps me so calm and so focused. And so I just turn the music on. I'm in sheer dark and get comfortable. And voila, I'm in, you know, a very calming state mode for a very long time. Very cool. Very cool. And thank you for sharing that with us. I think that's very helpful for most people out there. So what are the big takeaways you want readers to get from your book? Maybe if you could list out as many as you want that you really want readers to walk away with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first one at the end, it always seems impossible until it's done. So if you're an entrepreneur or you want to be an entrepreneur, you'll never know until you actually go and I, I mean that in the sense of like, you know, don't fear. Like you have to literally face the fear, accept it. It's real. Like it fears is so real, but you have to go face it and attack it. That's my first takeaway. The second one. Storm the beaches and burn the ships. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of people, you know, they're like, I want to get to that island. All right. Well, I mean, you're there at the island. Burn the boat now, you know. So, um, yep. yeah, 100%. And the next one, again, is the obstacle. Like the, the book called The Obstacle is the Way. That's, that's what I'm basically summarizing right there. Obstacle is the way. Um, so the calling of your obstacle, the obstacle in your life is a calling. Like it's, here's the path. Like you can get through this and you can get to your desired destination. So the obstacle is the way. Um, again, and the, the, I think the third thing I learned is that like, you know, don't base your life off of what you're seeing other people achieving. A lot of people say it's pretty, you know, there's no way for you to overcome brain cancer, start a business, the chemo radiation, drop out, make it successful and write a book at 23. There's no way that that's possible, right? Like I can hear that all the time, but I'll never know until I actually do it. And what I mean is, is base your life on where you want your life to go. Don't base it on what you're seeing other people go through because people see, oh, he failed in his business. Oh, he, geez, if he can't do it, I can't do it. I can't do it either. So they're limiting their mindset because of the limitations that they see on other people. And so they're basically closing the gates in their minds sooner and smaller than where, where, where it can actually go. And I want them to understand how powerful the mind really is. Um, and you'll never know how powerful the mind is until you start taking action and learning who you really are. Yeah, exactly. That's great advice and a great point. The Obstacle is the Way, by the way, fantastic book by Ryan Holiday. I've read it myself as well. I love that book, quite yeah. frankly. It's it's very stoic in philosophy, so to speak, but essentially it's very in line with a lot of what you're talking about here. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So is there any other message that you'd like to get out to the readers? Anything that you want people to know about you or about the book? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, my book can change somebody's life and it's already changed thousands. And I really want it to change somebody's life again, whether it's you're going through low self-worth, confidence, depression, I mean, whatever it is, like it can change your life. And, you know, I want people to take their story and their obstacle and just say, this is me. Okay. Like, you know, in order for you to change other people's life, you have to change your own first. So be selfish. I know selfish is almost like a bad word, but you have to be selfish in growing yourself before you can go change anyone else. So be selfish, like go pursue your dreams and don't let anyone else control you, whether it's a stupid decision or not, it's your dreams and you have to be the one taking action. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Logan. This was a fantastic episode. I think you've given us a ton of information to work with, not only from a business development and how to develop an online business perspective, but also from a overcoming obstacles, especially, I mean, you're a fascinating individual, four years now, cancer-free. We hope it stays that way. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. If people want to get more information or they want to reach out to you or they want to work with Fusion Lean or with you, how can they find you? 
Yeah, yeah, they can find me on all social media. Just type in Logan Sneed on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I'm on there. And then they can also visit logansneed.com. They can see Fusion Lean information. They can see Fitpreneur Academy information. They can see my book, um, all those sort of things. And uh, yeah, I'm operating on all social media platforms. Awesome. And where's the best place to grab your book? Do you prefer that they go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble? Is it everywhere? Where should we go? Yeah, best one would be uh, Amazon. You can just type in Logan Sneed or Thank You Cancer, and that's where it'll be. Thank you so much for being here on the show. We really appreciate it. This was fantastic. Everyone should go out and check out your book, Thank You Cancer, again by Logan Sneed. What's your website? Can you spell out the domain name, please? Yeah, it's uh, L-O-G-A-N-S-N-E-E-D.com, and you'll find links to all my other sites and everything uh, through that one website. Very cool. Thanks again, Logan. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you.